morning, everybody. So I have the pleasure of being with all of you today and with a wonderful person named Suzanne Scott, who runs an organization in the UK that's called Parenting. Good morning, Suzanne. How are you? Good morning. Thanks. Hi. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Would you mind explaining like who you are, a short introduction? Yeah, sure. Um, I am Suzanne Scott. I always am very clear that I am just a mum. I'm not professional. I've not got a lanyard. I don't, you know, have a degree. I'm a mum who has two children, one with special needs, lots of different special needs that we never understood for a long time. And I was also a foster carer for seven years. And I now run the charity Trauma Informed Parenting, where I talk about what my experience applying a trauma lens and how that's changed my life. And how to yeah. do that? How to plan? So you, you have a child with special needs. Yes, I'm um, my I daughter. Yeah, did you not know that? Um, she I has finally deaf, and she had learning difficulties. We knew that there was something else going on, but we could never figure out what it was. Nobody was help us. Nobody, you know, there was no help. And for years we struggled. It was only when she became, um. A teenager, we started to wonder if she might be autistic, and she we're convinced she has pathological demand avoidance. It's quite a new diagnosis. I don't know if you're aware of it. Um, yeah, on the spectrum, but we yes. can't get a diagnosis for that. We can't. We've given up fighting. No, they they won't give you a diagnosis for um, pathological demand avoidance. And we used to joke that that one day there would be a thing that would make sense and when it did come out we we couldn't believe it we never really thought they would figure it out but it was as if they wrote the book about her you know yeah that's wow well I'm glad that that your child has you you know in in her corner that's really <laughs> nice to hear um that's not yeah. exactly the experience that a lot of us have um some of my listeners and myself also we we happen to be autistic and and that's not the experience that we had growing yeah. up at all in any form, shape, or way. Um, well, sadly, yeah. it wasn't my daughter's first experience. Now, now it's her experience, but we struggled. You know, we did all the things mm -hmm. that we thought were right, but nowhere probably not helpful. Well, and as a parent, I personally would absolutely not recommend, as a parent and as an autistic person, I would not recommend any type of ABA therapy. It is abuse in every shape or form. I don't care how they um, put it out there and and project it in a sof sophisticated way as being mm -hmm. actually beneficial, teaching a neurodivergent person that they are wrong for being the way that they are is abuse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm seeing how my child had experienced trauma because of the way she experienced the world and how the way we all, the whole family were experiencing trauma because of the experience for all of us for her sister it was traumatic as a child growing up with a sister that has autism and is autistic and has all these behaviors and a parent who's into psychotic screaming nutcase because she doesn't know what to do and mm -hmm. our, our relationship our, you know my husband and i's relationship was in meltdown because we were both stressed out and overwhelmed and in trauma because yeah. of that yeah and, and so, this knowledge has made such a difference to that so we were kind of talking a little bit about like Ross Green and his parenting methods. 
is it is it okay if we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. yeah, I think his work's brilliant. Yeah. Because he has a website, right? Like he has a website in addition to his books and he has videos and you can listen to the books on audio if you don't read, but they're very helpful for being able to communicate with your child or your children appropriately, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like it's a big game changer when you start looking at your child as like understanding that, you know, the behavior is the child communicating that they're in distress. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. Suzanne talks about the other side of it. That's part of the beautiful part of having her here is she talks about what it's like as a parent and what you can do, some of the things that she's done and experienced. So anyways, would you like to talk about what is trauma-informed parenting in your mind? Yes, yes. I mean, I could be here all day, but I'll try and be quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, um, <laughs> when I started to learn about trauma-informed parenting, for me, it was starting to see my trauma, seeing what was coming up for me in these moments, seeing my fear that I was going into a state of pure survival. And I was disconnecting from my child my anyone around me we were all getting into a state of stress and fear and our trauma was triggered and we were all disconnecting and I couldn't possibly help my child in that state of course I was shouting screaming lecturing consequencing trying to control which was just adding more stress mm -hmm. so it's about seeing that trauma lens it's about putting that gap different different lens on and seeing my trauma seeing how that was making me respond a certain way seeing that my child's behavior was all coming from her trauma being triggered Mm -hmm. learning what was going on in her brain and my brain it's actually about learning how to be human that no one taught us really many being trauma us, informed many many of us um even even people outside of like amish and anabaptist communities may have been raised in an environment where your emotions are stifled and so mm -hmm. you're there's no safe space or no comfortable space for you to actually express your emotions. And so when you grow up like that, you don't ever learn emotional health and how to have healthy emotions. So how, what are some of the ways that you think like the principles yeah. of like trauma informed parenting can help with that? Yeah. No, and that's across the board, what you're saying. I mean, Certainly my experience was not to express any negative emotion. That was a bad behaviour. You know, crying or whining or complaining or being angry. You know, being being upset. It was no, don't be silly. Don't don't feel that way. You shouldn't feel that way. You don't know how lucky you are. All that stuff. We all heard it from generations. and gen We've come from generations of people who suppressed their negative emotion and didn't know what to do with it and couldn't teach us what to do with it. And I did the same. And when I started recognising that I was, it, it was, not letting my child express this and letting them start expressing it and, and recognizing how much it triggered me because I didn't know how to sit with my child and their negative emotion because I couldn't sit with my own. So that that's why that starts with us, being able to allow myself to learn how to talk about my emotions, express my emotions in different ways so that I can show my child how to do that. Modeling, modeling it is so powerful. We don't always appreciate how much our children just learn from watching us. Oh, able yeah. to say, you know what, I'm really mad right now. I'm really angry, but I'm going to go. I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to calm down, mm -hmm. and then I'll come back and we'll talk about it. And that, I mean, rather than screaming my head off and teaching my children, that's what right. you do when you get stressed. Right. Or even like, 
just that? Some, sometimes one of the things that I do is I tell my child I need a time out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my like, mom needs a time out. My kids love that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one uh, of my children come and tell me, you're stressed, mom. You need, you need to breathe. Mm -hmm. When I said of me teaching them, they're actually highlighting it to me, which I th I'm so proud when they do that because I think, well, I must be doing something right if my kids can come to me and, and, tell and me they to can, come. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can express things without the fear of rejection and fear. Yeah, of, I would have been my kids before if they dared to come and say that. I mean, how dare you? You're the one stressing me out. How dare you? You know, it would all be their fault. Blame, blame, blame. Because that's what's done to me. Yeah. So learning to sit with your own emotions. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah. Take responsibility for that. Yeah. And it's not about blame either. Because I think a lot of parents, there's a lot of blame. And that's not what trauma-informed parenting is about. But about finding it in ourselves, a place where we can take that responsibility without guilt. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging that it wasn't our fault because we're only doing what we learned from, you know, generations before. So if nobody told us, how could we be different? Yeah. It's not about blame. It's so like one of my other things is that I've had a lot of therapy and one of my therapists would always say like, you know, it's okay to be angry. Anger is a normal human emotion. It's okay to cry. Crying is a normal human emotion. These are all human emotions and it's okay mm -hmm. to express those emotions. And if if you don't have words for it, sometimes you can find other ways to express that. Um, but at the bottom line is, is what, what I hear you saying is that when you find a way to express your, your own emotions and sit with them, when they're uncomfortable, then you find a way to be present for your children through their emotions, yeah. even if they are uncomfortable. And then you also get to sit with them through their joy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's helping them find solutions to come through it as well. It's a lot of the raw screen stuff, isn't it? About helping them become problem solvers rather than us coming in and fixing all the time. Yeah. Making it go away. That just comes from our own need to shut it down because it's triggering us. When we try and stop, calm our child down, it's not because we want we want to we want to stop feeling the way we're feeling by their distress. Mm -hmm. So if we can actually be more comfortable in their distress and sit with them, and not fix, mm -hmm. it's really hard as a parent because you want to fix to not fix. Mm -hmm. It really takes practice, but it's so powerful to just be with them in it and just sit there and, and acknowledge how they feel, witness how they feel, validate it, mm -hmm. and not move to fix it. And it's I don't easy. think you're talking about like small babies in this context, like what you're talking about. Like, no, like don't sit there and let your babies them. cry and cry and we cry. Soothe them, yeah. yeah. But there's a time, yeah, yeah. You still need to go. And actually, we talk a lot about the regressed state any child goes into when they're stressed out. Uh, an older child regresses back to that younger child. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we always do. Um, when it's calm and it's safe to do so, is to come and meet that regressed child in, in any time, in any moment. My big 15-year-old could be a two-year-old in that moment and needs that rock and needs that soothing if they will accept it. You'd be amazed how often kids want that and need that um, met again and again and again. And then we talk about, right, well, what could we have done differently there? What on earth's going on that you'd be so stressed? And let them... Mm -hmm. 
So Sue, I would and probably Sue first. Often, often the, the, as your child grows and matures, like when you involve them in um, conversation where you're seeking to find answers, they're often able to verbalize things that would really mm. have help for the future for that same situation. And so yeah. rather than it being a situation where you, for example, in our culture, they would just say, well, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child. Um, and, and you're just not spanking that child enough, all of that. Like, rather than saying all of that, like, you're, you're meeting your child where they're at, but you're also teaching your child how to make decisions and critical thinking about how they can better navigate the world and helping them find ways to navigate the world in a way that is okay for them. Oh, good morning, Sarah. Hi there. Yeah, but uh, no, yeah, absolutely. They... Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And 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 I, when my wee guy first started, I started applying this with my foster child, and he couldn't, he couldn't even begin to try and problem solve because his brain was just so shut down and trauma re-triggered. To eventually got to the point where he was so brilliant at putting into words what was going on inside his brain. He talked about the volcano erupting and how he couldn't hear the words because his brain was too full and he could calm down. And he came up with the most amazing ideas and how we could help him. We asked him, you know, mm -hmm. what do you think we can do? How can we help you? How can we work this out together? And helped him understand what was going on in his brain and that it wasn't, there was nothing wrong with him. This was a normal reaction to what he'd experienced and so much trauma that his brain was just only into that overreactive fear state. Mm -hmm. I mean, he understood that. He, he realised there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not a bad boy. I've been told this, that I've been something wrong. What's wrong with you? Why are you acting this way? He didn't know why. And then he understood why and he became a wee problem solver at figuring out what he could do. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, you're enabling him and actually giving him skills for life. Because life is 50% negative and 50% positive. We always want positive all the time, and that's not realistic. Imagine if we had the skills to go through life and actually manage those negative emotions instead of running from them all the time, trying to push them away. Oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it, now? Yeah, yeah. Sort of buffering Just, it with all the things. You right. And, and I personally think that, like, when you've experienced all of this trauma and then you start parenting your children in a way where you're teaching them the skills to navigate those emotions as a child rather than them growing up and not knowing and then trying to re reframe that as an adult mm -hmm. to be able to manage those emotions or even sit with your own uncomfortable emotions. That's, that's a really big difference. It's huge. But there was so little, we have so little vocabulary around our emotions. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown, her work is amazing. Oh, I love Brene Brown. Oh, her new book her... is blowing my mind right now. I <laughs> that love her. her, she's so great. <laughs> she's my hero and she's so right. She talks about the, all the words we don't use. We don't use the right words when we talk about emotions. We don't know what to call them. We don't know how to communicate how we feel. And it's about how we teach our children to be better at that and have those skills by use, doing it ourselves. Well, I actually have a question, okay? So, speaking of, like, emotions, okay? So, a while ago, somebody had, I, I had been talking about this whole, like, tell your parent they're autistic, uh, tell, your, tell your children they're autistic. If they have a diagnosis, it can help them understand why they are the way they are. 
And trust me, we all know, even if we're not diagnosed as children, I, I was late diagnosed as an adult, and and I know. And the words that I would use around describing that, that experience of being in, in school with my peers would be isolating, alienating, um, rejection, um, just that's that's about it. That's the only words I have. So it's interesting when you talk about we don't use all the right words because we don't even, you know, there's so many more words, but... I can't even begin to describe it further than that. Yeah. Plus, English is my second language, so that's a little bit interesting too. Yeah, good for you. I can. Yeah. I struggle with English. <laughs> and I'm English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yes, so true. Fifty percent. The world is yes. negative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So true. You know, but here's another thing. Speaking of like the world is fifty-fifty negative. It's like sometimes, uh, I. About maybe 12 years ago, I started looking at each day as like this brand new piece of paper. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's a nice like, week. It's like a brand new piece of paper. And if I write on the paper and burn it, that's okay. But, you know, I made that decision. Draw it under it. If I yeah. paint a beautiful picture or I draw a beautiful picture on it, again, it's okay. But I get to decide what I do with each and every single day. And sometimes it's every moment is like that. Mm -hmm. no, that's uh, so true. I think it can be, can be very helpful. So, do you have a list of like core principles of trauma informed parenting? <laughs> I don't know if I've got a specific list, but certainly the, there's some things that are the fundamental in it. Definitely seeing that my child is not choosing to do these things, has no control whatsoever over their behavior because we so often set kids up to fail and tell them you have to behave you have to be good to expect this behavior of you and then you're not going to get this and this and this if you don't behave and we're, we're doing that and they, we now know they can't help it especially kids that are neurotypical you know can't um sorry neurodiverse did i say yes um i got the wrong one there yeah yeah they can't um they can't help it they're not choosing it they don't want to be doing it they don't know why as the stress comes in and understanding the brain science that the, the, the brain shuts down and they don't have the ability to choose their brain is completely shut down um and that my brain is shut down and that i'm disconnected and it's understanding what's going on in our brains is so so huge for them but also that there's these two states that we can be in this is kind of the, the core of the trauma-informed understanding is that we can either be in an open connected state which is a love state and we can be in a shutdown fear state, which is a state of survival. We are never in both at any time. We're always in one of these. So the minute stress comes in, we shut down and we disconnect. Our children shut down and disconnect. They sense our stress. We sense their stress. We all disconnect. Our husbands, our partners, our children, Everybody. our colleagues are all shut yeah. down. Everyone's and when I, It made so much sense to me when I understood this because I could see it all the time in my life. When I could be think somebody was wonderful and then I could hate them, think they were the enemy, and then I could think they were great a week later because I was going into this shutdown fear state and disconnect in this open connected mm -hmm. state. And seeing our fear and seeing what that does to us and seeing our child's fear underneath that behavior, when we can start to see, that's the trauma lens, when we can start to see the fear and the stress mm -hmm. in everyone around us, you will, will see them very differently. Oh yeah. Mm. Once you know it triggers our fear, their child's behavior triggers our fear. 
oh, yeah. we can't help a child do it in that state. Oh, we yeah. Disconnect absolutely. You know, and the other thing is, is sometimes emotions are kind of uh, contagious or like, mm. you know, if somebody comes in and they're in a bad mood, like, you yeah. know, that's, that's going to sometimes go around a little bit. Because yeah, they might see a little short. Like, mm. yeah. And, like, and it's fine till you came in, not mood. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Good morning, Katrina. Hi, guys. Hope joining us. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. So, that, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, we talk a lot about that in the workshops about how just being in relationship with our children, we feed off each other's energy. And if we can be stressed about something that's got nothing to do with our kids, they're going to sense that and they're going to start to misbehave. That's where their behavior comes from is their stress that they often feel from us. And then we feel our stress from them, from their behaviors. And then we escalate our stress, they escalate their stress. And the stress just escalates and escalates and escalates until we're all in a state of absolute shutdown, meltdown, yelling, so, screaming. So, it's do you cycle. have any any tips for parents to like? If sure, you catch yeah. Aware of like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing, the best thing I ever learned was to breathe. It's so so simple; it almost seems too easy, but by breathing, stopping, and learning how to really calm, but do calm breathing triggers my brain back online it helps me to think clearly it helps me to regulate it helps me to see what's really going on in the moment because my brain shut down and it's went into a fear state and it's telling me that the end of the world is about to come if i do not stop this behavior it's triggering me into all my own generational patterns of things my mom said to me and those words come out my mouth i didn't even mean to say Oh no! She would have said, and i would i'd channel her oh, no. <laughs> you want and you want to hear a fun fact? So yeah. for me, one of my core parenting things that I do is if I ever start feeling like my egg donor, my mother, is coming out of my mouth or even in my thoughts, that's a big sign I need to walk away. I need to calm myself however long it takes. I am not engaging my child because I will never be that woman. That's such, My such, such great insight is to know that. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're triggered. That's a sign that you're triggered, isn't it? I'm not making any sense right now and I'm not going to do this. But that's uh -huh. great. So many of us don't have that insight. I didn't have that insight for a long, long time until I learned this. I would just become my mum. Lots of therapy. Don't even ask. <laughs> a therapist goes to see the therapist. I like to imagine that when I get done with my therapist, my therapist goes to see their therapist. Most people and get someone to help. Like they have a scheduled <laughs> session because it's How that. Therapist go down. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Just being a human being is such a tricky thing, and then we didn't know that. That's a. It's just part of being human. We're not doing yeah. anything wrong. We just didn't know that yeah. this happens in our brain and what happens also is when we're triggered it triggers all our trauma and we're back in that moment because mm -hmm. when our children are triggered they're believing that that thing that worst thing that ever happened to them is about to happen again and they're back in that original fear but so are we mm -hmm. so that's why we're all so crazy we're all so stressed none of us are making any sense our brain is running away with us right. telling us about all the terrible things that could happen that probably won't ever happen we spend so much time in that place in our brain and we're not make we're not disconnected we're not connected we're not in the moment 
Well, here's another thing that I've often used is like the five. Have you heard of the five, four, three, two, one? Like a breathing technique? Um, it's like five things you can see or yeah, it's a thing I'll for like anxiety, but yeah, it's one of those yeah. things that helps bring me back to the present. Touch and all that, yeah. yeah. I, I don't personally find it helps me. I don't know why. I think everyone's different. What works for one right, might not work for another. I just didn't but, find that really effective. But so, some people do. But but here's the thing. is The beautiful thing is, is just talking about some of the different options can give people ideas yeah. on, on what they want to try. And then they can go figure out what works for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's trying it all and seeing what, what, what does the job, isn't it? I yeah. definitely find the breathing. Stopping talking. Just, I was always nagging, yelling, lecturing, jumping in, adding my stress. So if I just stop and zip it and breathe and remind myself no one's gonna die, it's not the end of the world. That helps me to regulate, and, it, and the more I've done it, the better I've become at it, the more effective it is each time, you know, I get get stronger the ability to not take it personally to mind myself my child's in fear my child's not doing this on purpose mm -hmm. and just get my brain back online before i even try and do anything in the situation like you say take a time out for myself mm -hmm. so that i can do that sometimes well, i might so have to can, do that sitting there in the so you can re-regulate so your heart rate right. can calm yeah, down I, you can yeah, not just your heart rate, though. This is what blew my mind when I learned that when I breathe, oh, okay. <laughs> when I breathe, it triggers a thing called oxytocin in my brain, mm -hmm. and that's and that's what calms all that stress hormone down. And when I trigger my oxytocin, it triggers my child's oxytocin because we're in connection and we're in relationship. So it's just my child being around me while I'm triggering my oxytocin automatically triggers that in them. And that's what helps us to feel safe and come yeah. back in connection again. And it brings all that prefrontal cortex back online so that we can start to think clearly. So just doing nothing and breathing is so powerful. Just it'll help our children too, just by breathing and sitting in amongst the chaos. Yeah. And just do say nothing and breathe. It's so powerful to see that my child will just start to calm and move in closer bit by bit. And then it eventually gets to a place where we can soothe and we can talk. Um, my household was continuous. What if? What if? Wow. Yeah. So they would say to you, what if? What if? What if this or what if that? Like, what if, what if there's... So it's like, a, it's like a threat then? Yes, yes. From the description, um, it says, growing up in my house, hold, it was a continuous what if from the parents or older siblings. It was a fear tactic that they used to get us to listen. Wow, yeah. But yeah. See, for me, seeing that my parents, although it was, you know, everyone's different, but, you know, Although it wasn't great, they didn't know that it wasn't great. They thought it was the right thing to do, and they, they thought they were being good parents. They loved us, but they were doing all these things with fear and control because they were parented with fear and control, and because they were scared, and they went into shutdown, and they reverted back into all of their old parenting. And they're, 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 
there's a lot of forgiveness I think we need to find, which is not easy. More therapy. Mm. Well, <laughs> they didn't have this information. Uh, you know, well, my parents may not have had this information, but all I can say is this: is there are some things so vile and terrible that you don't have to yeah. forgive them ever. No. So, yeah, but uh, it's I, forgiveness a, is a personal between, choice. Yeah, and I found that holding on to resentment is only only affecting me. It's not affecting them, and that's affecting my future generations, and it's affecting my. It was coming up for me, all that resentment and the anger that I had, not towards, I had other issues and other other traumas. So I had to do a lot of forgiving on that and understanding where it came from, not making it okay, because I was keeping that resentment in within me and it was affecting me every day. Well, well, I didn't you... tell them they were forgiven. I didn't go Did and say, you... you're forgiven. But I worked on that within myself. But it's a personal journey, isn't it? You've got to sort of do what's right Well, for you. you have to walk your own healing journey, right? But also, like, in our culture, forgive is, is like, literally, it's a triggering word probably for a lot so of my audience. it means something very different. Yeah. It, because no, it means that. something very different. It's indicative of the culture itself, which sits there and, and covers up child abuse and child sexual abuse yeah. and child yeah. beatings and, you know, all kinds of things. So we whenever those things happen it's generally approached with you must forgive and then they there's there's no time or even space or any place for you to safely process what happened or what the trauma was rather it's just demanded that you must forgive and to forgive is to you never think of it again you never speak of it again etc like there's no nothing it's it's like a complete victim blaming and denial state so I probably wouldn't say forgive to my audience. But that's just, isn't that interesting how it's back to vocabulary again and how what words we use? Because that is not in my book, forgiveness. <laughs> that isn't forgive. That's not what forgiveness means. <laughs> Thank you. But you've been brought up with that belief mm -hmm. that that's what forgiveness is and it's not. That's not forgiveness. I think if you looked up in the dictionary, I don't think that's, that is what it would say. It's but not. It's how you belief brought up to believe that isn't it but also it's it's indicative of like one like english is a second language too like i've always said this is is when you start talking to amish and anabaptist plain people like you know we we speak english in a whole different way because when i say forgive there's there's like you know one thing that you would think but if if we were to say that to like somebody who's still inside of the community or somebody who recently got out, um, that might mean like a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it could be very, you know. What make it mean, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it's just moving, finding a way to move past it really. So that it's yeah. not coming up, isn't it? So whatever word you want to give it, <laughs> it's, you know, irrelevant. It's just doing that emotional work ourselves. Which right. a lot of people have done. It's finding a way, I think for me, like some of it is finding a way to exist and be okay and and walk with all of the things that happen, but continuing to live in the present, being present in this moment and finding a way to be the best parent that I can be. Like that's that's really my goal, one of my big goals. Yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> no, we got it. <laughs> we got it, Sarah. We got you. And I, I want to say, like, if all of, if any of you have questions, please, please feel free to write them in the comments. Uh, it, I think it's really important to have these discussions about parenting and the generational trauma because for us, like, a lot of the trauma comes from generations, like over, like, yeah. Generation after generation after generation, yep. yeah. And then we, yep. we talk about the workshops as well about that um, generational trauma that's in our DNA. Mm -hmm. You know that that your that's your great grandparents, and there sometimes it can come down seven generations. So you, what your parents experienced and what their parents experienced is part of us. It's not just what we saw and what we experienced ourselves. It's still in us. It's still been triggered. We've been triggered into all our parents' trauma and our grandparents' trauma as well. If you've got a lot of that in your background, so that's a lot to think about, isn't it? To think that we carry that. I know. It's a lot to walk with, and it's a lot to find the way forward from all of that. It really yeah. is. And 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 you know, this generation, we're trying to make that change so that we don't bring that forward into our right. future generations which is why when you talk to your kids and you engage your kids and you involve your kids and like making decisions and and problem solving and you teach them critical thinking of like how to problem solve the things that they're navigating what ha what happens what happens they learn oh, yeah it's okay it's safe yeah yeah and they learn and to be able push to it down. They learn to express themselves mm -hmm. and they learn and to navigate. Yeah, when we don't push all that down, it doesn't become behaviours. It's when we push it down and we don't express it, we don't process it, we don't understand it and we don't get an outlet for it. That's where the behaviours come from. Is that so push down negative emotion? Would you say it's kind of like the thing that I say, which is um, when you don't deal with the the feelings and emotions that you're having it will find a way to come out mm -hmm. and you may not always yeah. like yeah. it <laughs> yeah absolutely so, it comes out least. you you have to find an outlet and it doesn't have to be a verbal outlet it can be like you said it can be a creative outlet mm -hmm. it can be drawing painting singing jumping dancing you know running anything and it can be for you and it can be for your kids. I love going to the golf range and smashing those golf balls one after the other. I find that so therapeutic and I'm on a really bad day. You know what I really like? It's great. It's what works for you. They, there's there's this whole place called um, the Smash It, Break It Room. Yeah, we've have just you ever heard of them? them? You guys have had them for longer than us. Yeah, we're called Wreck It Rooms here. Yeah, you go there and you pick your weapon and you oh, get the you know, <laughs> It's, it's a, a really good outlet. It's a need, not it's a need we have, and we're starting to recognize that. Ours aren't as good as yours. Your guys look like they have like all these furniture and TVs you can smash, whereas ours are just axes that you can throw at a board, which is not quite as good, but it's a good good start. It is a good start. No, no, I've mm -hmm. I've went to the one that's real close by, and and there's like a, I had I got the pleasure of smashing a, a dresser. It was really 
like stressful <laughs> time in my life. It was so fantastic. Does it not feel amazing? Yeah. And yes. you give yourself permission. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. You give you yourself permission. And getting it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We go and scream together. Me and my kids will get in the car. We'll drive up the wee kind of what quiet roads and put the music on and say, right, go for it. And we scream or really scream. And I'll say, oh, that's rubbish. You come on, you can do better than that. And give them permission to let it out. Yeah. Sometimes when I even let them swear, say 10 swear words, get them out. If I can tell they're getting stressed and it's all bubbling under the surface. Yeah. And it's a the way. They aren't even that bad sometimes, you know, it's just kid stuff. It's just but, kid um, stuff. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's really, really healthy to find a way, find an outlet for emotions and, and do it in a way that isn't harming other people, which is yeah. like, it's interesting you mentioned the car because like I do that too. Sometimes I scream in my car. Yeah, get it out. Maybe I, 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 them to draw them, to draw them, put them on paper because you tap into them subconscious a bit more when you use like, art and creativity and you can bring out things that you maybe didn't even know yourself that you were, were going on inside your brain. Mm -hmm. Journaling, things like that, really, really good. Just doing yeah, a thought download yeah. and all that. Just the words that make no sense. Just putting them all on a paper and seeing them in front of you. Sometimes just so, scribbling on a paper too. Sure. Not even like, yeah, like the, you know. Rip it you up, know. Throw it in the bin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just finding a way to express emotions. Um, so I, I guess my last question is, is, do you have any specific tips like you'd like to share really about like mm. how to respond when a child is in distress? Well, definitely what I said, breathe, stop and breathe. Just take a minute. Don't say anything. Breathe. Listen. Also, it's about getting into that state of regulation. So being in a state of regulation does not mean that you're calm all the time. It means you can have all your emotion and it doesn't carry off with, you know, you're not getting crazy. So you it's can recognize I'm really stressed. I'm really scared right now. I'm really angry right now. But just by saying it and acknowledging it will help you be regulated. It turns your brain back on. It helps you get this bit thinking again. So even just say, go to the bathroom. I'll be back in a minute. Do my breathing. I'm really stressed. I'm really scared. And it's in through your nose and really slowly out through your mouth. Three to ten slow, deep breaths. I sometimes do more than ten. Keep doing it and get yourself calm before you come back. And then when you do come back, sometimes it's just listen. Often we don't listen because we're too busy trying to come in and stop it and shut it down because we're scared of all the things that are going to happen because our brain's telling us the end of the world's going to come. Tell yourself no one's going to die. It's okay. And listen. And often my kids, I don't know about you, but they might be saying, I hate you. You're fat. You're, you're bad to me, you know. And I'm like usually jumping in trying to stop that. And now I can say, yeah, I can hear you're really mad at me right now. I can hear that you're really, really angry, and that's okay. Have and you ever thanked your kids for expressing their emotions? Yeah, that's so powerful. Thank you yeah. for being able to come and tell me that. Yeah, that's so powerful. I'm so, that? I'm so, I'm, I'm so glad that you feel safe to share that with me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And it encourages them to do that again, doesn't it? And they probably won't get as escalated because they'll feel safer sooner to come. Mm -hmm. And it's up there with taking the blame as well. You know, we take make it my fault often when the, something kicks in. Isn't it's my not not my fault my child's upset, but I'll take the blame because it's the fault of the trauma. It's not my child's fault. 
the trauma is not my fault, it's the trauma's fault. And to say, I'm really sorry, I didn't understand, that was my fault. I should have understood. I should have appreciated how hard this would be. That's my fault. And that way it teaches my child that it's okay to take responsibility. They learn by seeing us do that. And eventually what happens is my child wants to, and they go, no, 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 it was me. And I say, no, it was me. And they go, no, it was me, no, it was me. <laughs> but they start to, and sometimes eventually we might both say, you know, we both didn't manage that very well, did we? We both got really stressed. And we both can take a bit of blame. Not by making them feel their default, just by showing them how we do that. But that goes kind of hand in hand that taking saying thank you, thank you for coming and telling me that, that I was out of order, or thank you for coming and telling me how you feel. Um, Even if they've yelled at me. So I guess like what I'm hearing you say is like kind of like being a, a partner with your child of like, yeah. you know, you're hearing your child the first listening to hear, right? Mm -hmm. Listening to hear rather than listening to respond. If you exactly. find yourself formulating an answer before um, your child has even begun to finish speaking their sentence, you are um, listening, listening to respond and you're not hearing what you're, you might miss something very, very important, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and being able to say, I hear, I can see that you're really scared. I can see that you're really un unhappy. You might not see anything to be scared of because they're safe. You know they're safe, but they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging that that you don't you don't feel safe right now, that must be really hard for you. And not jumping into, but you're okay. It's okay. Right. You know, we are safe. Because that'll come later once we soothe and we calm and we reconnect. Mm -hmm. Then we can and talk about that. But first we have to acknowledge what they're going through. What they're well, actually perfect. feeling. Because actually it's it's um children don't want us to fix. They actually just need us to listen witness that experience and not fix we always jump to fix don't we yeah we're fixers aren't we but you can't That's fix everything no children really really i think want they want us to be present for them and they want to know that as their as their parent as their caregiver they want to know that you're in their corner mm -hmm. It's, it's us and them against the trauma. It's yes. not us against them. It's not but us it against is. them and the trauma against them and then the neurodivergence with them. And like, no, it's it's us and them. They want to know that we are team, that we are here for you, that we love you. And, you know, we're always going to love you. They want yeah. to know that we're not going to um, disown them or something like that, you know. They're always looking for our approval, aren't they? And right. and I think the power couldn't I couldn't have foreseen the power in when I'm trying to get my child to do something that they need to do and they won't do it because they're stressed. I now see that it's because they're stressed, they're overwhelmed, they can't cope with the transition, and I'm coming in with my stress and my control and my fear. When I can stop and actually just say, "Wow, it's really hard, isn't it? How does it make me feel?" And let's talk about let's let's, let's scream and let's get it out. Then they want to do the thing. It's amazing how they want to do the thing. It's not that it's getting past that and letting them express it and feel connected that's going to help them to do the thing that you're trying to get them to do. Right. Well, and it's even like, you know, some of the things like when you talk about PDA, right, like some of the things with, with my own child is very much um, when when I ask them to do something, 
tricky, you know, like, for example, let's just say emptying the, the dishwasher. Um, what yeah. I have found uh, is that when I talked to them and communicated with them, one of the things that they expressed to me is, well, mom, you know, sometimes I need you to give me a reminder, but then like it can be helpful if you if you give me a reminder and then just let it be. Because what will happen is they'll say, in a minute, and we all know how that route goes, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all about but how you put it to them, isn't it? But then if I remind them in like, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, then it tends to go a lot better. Like, hey, like, did you have a chance? Like, also how I word that is like, rather than saying, you haven't put the dishes away be like did you have a chance to go and and put the dishes away yet mm -hmm. and, yeah, and it's it's all about like how we communicate how, and how we handle how yeah, we handle our own yeah if i say to her did i mean actually she does do the dishwasher i'll say right you're gonna do it? no i'll always get a no absolutely but if i say you know what dishwasher's needing done remember so you're gonna do it when when do it when you're ready or when do you think you want to do it now or later? Let me know. Mm -hmm. And let her decide she'll do it. It's not a problem. But if I force the issue, yeah, it's going to no way it's going to do it. I'm a bit like that myself, to be honest. If I'm going to do something, yeah. my husband does, says, go do it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I hate being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I'm not the, no, don't tell me how to live my life. Um, repression never works it took me a long time to understand my feelings and how to express them yeah. thank you lila that is absolutely true like it never works and like i've said so many times it always comes out it always it comes out comes mm -hmm. and, and, and you know worse. Yeah. i i think for me personally like if if i don't deal with my trauma um it comes out in ways that's going to harm and possibly hurt people around me. Yeah. And I don't wish to do that to people around me. So it is my responsibility to manage my trauma and, and the emotions around that in a way that does not harm the people around me. Yeah. yeah absolutely. We take, it, we take it out in those places to us, don't we? Yeah, we do. As a grown-up foster, adopted kid... I would like to thank you, ladies, for having this discussion. Thank you. You're more than welcome. We certainly need more of more of these discussions, don't we, around the world? Oh yes, we need happening. They are happening, <laughs> but it's a slow but, process. Yeah, I I really truly think that even you know some foster parents could benefit from hearing this, and I know that we have a huge amount of foster parents come to the workshops. Yeah, <clears throat> and actually, the good thing is we're trying to get through to the social workers and the teachers because they don't understand this stuff. They're trying to tell adopters and the foster carers, and they don't know this. They're actually what's happened today. I spoke to a parent who's discovered this and starting to learn it, and she said, "I'm going to tell my social worker." So she, the parents. And the carers are telling the social workers, you need this information. It should be the other way around. It should be the professionals that should be knowing this. And they don't know it. Mm -hmm. The parents know it and the carers know it now first. Mm -hmm. Well, then it's, 
it's really, really, I think, significant when you can advocate for parenting in a way that isn't hitting your children physically. And it's not yeah. invalidating your children. It's not gaslighting your children. It's not like in the case of um, Jessica Mast, it's been over a year since she was brutally murdered by like four ex-Anabaptist Mennonites. And, you know, there's so much work to be done and so much education to that needs to happen. And I really think that just having these conversations and then the workshops that you do, it's a really good start. Oh, would you like to share with people what type of workshops you have available? Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we offer a four-hour workshop, which is sometimes in two sessions or one session, where we talk about the trauma lens and explain all about the difference it made for us when we started to use it and how we can do it. Um, there, there's always a couple of free sessions on anyone can sign up to. We do do them for small groups as well. People have us in and they get us to come and do them. But after a a workshop, PM attendees are invited to join our closed support group where we have ongoing support to apply the trauma lens and we put people onto all the information that we that we learned from, which is the Post Institute, Brian Post in America. He is amazing. His teaching is fantastic. So even just Google the Post Institute, put it into YouTube. There's so much free content out there. And we have obviously our support, our support group and our Facebook group. We have lots of content on there as well. But there's always free spaces. People just go into Eventbrite and sign up, come along. And um, people are seeing big changes in their home, which is amazing. And as I'm saying, it's not just parents now that are coming. It's social workers, it's health workers, it's teachers. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It when is, I was young, dinner time was the time to scold and punish for things that were done wrong throughout the day. That's one thing I'll, I tell myself I'll never do to my daughter. Gosh, and that must be really triggering for, for you around dinner, around food. That must bring that, yeah. you know, up to you. Although I'd imagine as a tiny negative thing. Yeah. Like, time and then, oh, shaming and the, yeah. I can totally relate to that in way too many ways. And dinner time should be a happy time of you all coming together, shouldn't it? To break bread together. And, and uh, as a family. It, it should be happy together where you're like, you know, like you said, breaking bread together. You're having a, a wonderful coming together of family. But unfortunately for many of us, that wasn't necessarily the dinner time that we experienced growing up. Like I said, like there's the whole um, the mentality around break their wills when they're in a high chair. Um, yeah. How old are babies? in the high chair like seriously like that's and and you're you know they're they're, they're preaching from the pulpit they're preaching from the pulpit that you need to hit the babies in the high chair so just that alone let alone like you know reviewing all of the transgressions throughout the day at the dinner table like that's really traumatic that's yeah yeah and really we said, wow, how stressed were you today that that would happen? What was going on with you? What were you feeling? <laughs> how different would that be? That would be such a different conversation. Yeah. And hey, we did like, we around our dinner table five things we felt that day. Five, I keep going the wrong way. Five things we felt there. <laughs> Negative emotions five. and five things we're grateful for, or five, five positive emotions. 
not why or where or who caused them, just this is how I felt today. And it's just mm -hmm. nice to have someone witness that and go, wow, that's, that's a lot for you today. Wow, well, I wonder what happened. And if you want to elaborate, you can. And it's just a bit of a standing joke. My teenagers roll their eyes and they go, oh, but they do it. They want to do it. I think and it's I get really, to do it. We all do it. <laughs> I think it's really powerful and, and even just validating to be given this space where you're comfortable to voice your emotions, but then also to mm -hmm. share gratitude together. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's really powerful. And actually, when you ask an adult to do it, you know, if we talk about it and say to my mum, well, come on, join us, five things you feel. They cannot talk about negative emotion. It's so alien to them. And they'll say, I'm hungry, <laughs> I'm tired, a sore foot. And you're like, that's not a negative emotion. They can't do it because they've never done it. They were taught to push it away. Yeah. It's really interesting. It, it really is. When you take people that have never learned, that have never, yeah. Even getting the emotion wheel up on your your kitchen wall and going over every day and pointing at some of the emotions you felt. So many emotions on that that we don't use, that we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that people like um, our listener that's saying, like, I'll never, I'll never do that to my daughter. Um, I think that those are the kinds of people that are also facilitating even more change. It's more than just like one or two people. This is like a yes. movement of people who mm -hmm. are advocating and educating for gentle parenting and trauma-informed parenting. That respects the human rights of children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that treats them as parents, we don't want to be that way it's not mm -hmm. fun for us to be in a state of fear and, and control oh no either it's it's absolutely not it's it's literally like it is not fun to feel like you're out of control and you're you're losing it and so yeah, yeah. But, i just felt like I was drowning most of my younger years when my kids were younger just felt like i was drowning every day didn't know what to do and I wish I'd known this years ago how wonderful would that have been oh my goodness if I'd have known everything I know now when I became a parent oh my goodness it would have just been amazing yeah. just, but we know just, it now so. yeah we know <laughs> it now and now we're working on sharing it with other people who may benefit from that so that's one of the beautiful things um yeah I want to I want to thank you very much for being here and for no, sharing and i i was going to say like if if like there was any one final thing that you could say to any of the any anybody that's struggling as a parent um whether it's like postpartum depression or just past traumas or whatever the case may be what would you say to them i always say that, that any choose to stop and breathe is the best thing we can ever do Absolutely. And as far as trauma-informed parenting, is, is just give it a try. There's nothing to lose. Just try it one time and see the difference that it can make. But breathe. That is the most powerful thing you can do. Thank you so much. No that problem. Is really Thank you for having powerful. me. Lovely. I, I love talking about this stuff. So... <laughs> I would also like to add that if if you're struggling with depression, like as a as a new parent or all of that, like it's it's okay to have medical care for that. It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to use medications if you need to to manage your depression. 
You deserve to be healthy, happy, and whole, and your children do too. And we're working on changing this. We are change. Huh? I hope you all have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you all next time.